0: It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott.
1: Welcome to another episode of Movies You Should Love. I am Scott. And I am Lauren. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, here at Movies You Should Love, we look at uh, classic and contemporary movies and we kind of analyze them and kind of discuss what makes them so great. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to be looking at number 87 on AFI's top 100, uh, 12 Angry Men. Uh, Indeed. Yes, but before we get into that, uh, I thought we could talk about some movies that we might have recently seen, things in theater or on DVD. Uh, Laura, why don't you uh, start us off? What have you seen lately?
0: Yeah, um, uh, just to throw in here before we get into that, uh, you can always join in our conversation online at uh, MoviesYouShouldLove.com, or on Facebook, or on Twitter at MoviesYouShould.
1: Absolutely, Uh, and there there are links to all of this stuff and anything that we talk about in the podcast, we have links to on our website like us on iTunes. Leave us a review. That'd oh yeah, be
0: awesome. Yeah, it, all those reviews on iTunes help us to get more noticed on iTunes. So keep up the good work, there, folks. Um, yeah, but a, a couple of movies that I've seen here. Um, well, started off. I saw The Lincoln Lawyer. Um, Matthew McConaughey and uh, a whole bunch of other people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Marissa Tomei's in it, and William H Macy. Yeah, uh, it's okay. Is kind of where I'll throw that one in. It's um, this is like a review
1: they had put on the DVD cover.
0: Yeah, it's, it's okay, okay. <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I mean it's it's totally a throwback to kind of like those '90s John Grisham style movies, you know, Pelican Brief and The Firm and and all that kind of thing. Um, That's what it looked like. Yeah, uh, there, there's nothing wrong with it. It's uh, you know it's a perfectly serviceable kind of movie, but it doesn't. I, I don't know. It's the, the story tries to be kind of clever and has a couple of twists to it. Um, and uh, it kind of gets in its own way a little bit because really the stuff that happens is just way too coincidental and just, I don't know, a, a little bit out of the realm of belief for me to really be comfortable with. So it kind of, I don't know. It kind of lost, lost its plot for me a little bit. Um, kind of once you realized what was going on. Um, so, I don't know. It 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 either was trying to be too clever or needed to be way significantly more clever than it actually was or, or something okay. like that. So, but uh not a bad movie. Um Scott, we were talking before we started and you mm-hmm. said that um someone recommended it to you as some as a movie that their mother really enjoyed. Yes. Um and I think that's kind of, you know, where I would go with this is it's, you know, it's um If you have the kind of family that sits around watching, like, CBS mystery shows, you know, if you're in kind of that CSI crowd or or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, you know, or if you really liked movies like The Pelican Brief and The Firm and and some of that kind of stuff, this is going to be right up your alley and it'll fit right in with all of that kind of thing. Uh, You know, otherwise, um, you know, it's it's, it's just kind of okay. Fair enough. So that's my really quick <laughs> review of that one. It doesn't really deserve much more time than that. Fair um, let's see the other movie. Uh, we we both saw this one. Yes. Uh, we both watched the Ides of March. Uh, yes. I should mention we didn't see it together, but Whoa. we both both have watched it. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, yeah, I I really really liked this movie. Um yeah. It's kind of dark and depressing, and mm-hmm. um, for multiple reasons. I mean, there's some really dark depressing plot line stuff you know abortions and suicides and that kind of (laughs) spoilers once once you're into this podcast you're 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 in and and by now you should know we spoil things um that's what we do yes but um
1: uh but no you're absolutely right and i was kind of amazed um going into it i didn't know the story so well i kind of from the trailer you get the idea and from the title that it's going to be about some form of political backstabbery. Mm-hmm. You know, the Ides of March being a back to the Julius Caesar mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but like, I was kind of surprised that the story actually really was Ryan Gosling's story. It has mm-hmm. re- George Clooney's there, but it's really Ryan Gosling as he tries to figure out whose side he's on politically, what he stands for politically. And then it ends in a place where, um, you know, the politician he's working for, George Clooney, hasn't necessarily done anything. You know, it's not like, mm-hmm. this is the road to the White House. This is us getting him elected. This is actually really just kind of on the campaign trail. Something happens, a mystery kind of pops up and things start kind of unraveling and twisting and, yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised at where, where the story went or what it wasn't about
0: yeah and uh, you know that's kind of the thing is is that's one of those other areas where it's kind of depressing is is that it you know it doesn't really make the, the political process look all that appealing very much either um, it's almost the anti-West Wing yes while
1: being in the very same category as the West Wing you know yeah. for me kind of instead of you know the West Wing kind of makes you hope that the people that run our government are very much like this show uh, this on the other hand kind of shows you what it's probably more like and it's not glamorous and it's not necessarily even filled with good or positive people it's just filled with people who have to make these very political and business-minded decisions and um just fascinating i loved uh ryan gosling goes back and forth between philip seymour hoffman's character and paul giamatti's character and seeing the way paul giamatti's character is fully revealed I thought was just fascinating and phenomenal. You know, Mm -hmm. Paul Giamatti basically plays someone who's on the other side who who's working for a different candidate Mm -hmm. and kind of tips Ryan Gosling to come over and you see this in the trailer. So it's not really uh, that spoilery, but once Ryan Gosling kind of goes, okay, maybe I will, Paul Giamatti's like, I don't want you, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Why would I trust somebody? Why would I want somebody who's going to leave their candidate, you know? Mm-hmm. No, you're done. <laughs> you're <Yeah>. like,
0: wow. <laughs> yeah, it's well, this is an interesting movie, because, I mean, we can say stuff that's kind of plot-related, mm-hmm. and it's really not a spoiler, because this movie is much less about the plot of what is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's there is a little bit of a mystery, but it's not actually right. much of a mystery. Not in the um, traditional sense, um, it's, no. it's It's really... A character study, mm-hmm. um, you know, and or, or I mean in several of the characters really, yeah. um, and so even if we were to tell you like every plot point that happens in this movie, it would still be worthwhile to see it just to see Absolutely. these characters and their development and kind of where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and going back to what you were saying about the West Wing, you know, I'd, I'd kind of say that if you were to cross this movie with a West Wing episode, you might actually get about the truth of where our political right. process is. Right. This is probably a little a little darker and uh more dismal than it probably is mm-hmm. and the west wing is probably a little bit more a little brighter <laughs> a little brighter <laughs> happy and jingoistic than, yeah. <laughs> than uh, it really is so yeah. someplace in between those two um,
1: uh this movie was co-written by george clooney stars george clooney directed by george clooney mm-hmm. um Fantastic. I mean, George Clinton continues to. He hasn't directed very many films, but the films he does direct and get, gets involved with on that level. Yeah, I love. Um, them. I love them. Yeah. So this yeah. is another one of those that I would highly, highly recommend to anybody that's you know interested in politics, interested in good character drama. I think it was originally a uh, a play, and they adapted it into this film, um, and it's fantastic. It kind of. It's also kind of a throwback to some of the films like uh, All the President's Men. You know, it's a very Almost timeless. If it wasn't for the language, it'd be a, it could be a very timeless film.
0: Yeah. So it's, um, you know, don't go into it expecting it to be like, you know, super actiony or super. No. You know, it's it's a very quiet, introspective kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lots of uh, either lots of people talking or like nobody talking is kind of the the two types of scenes that you get. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's 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 really. Really but the best
1: kind of, of that kind of movie you can get, really. Yeah. It's a phenomenal cast, working with a very smart script that just works, the whole yeah. thing.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I, I loved it. So, yeah. definitely definitely on our list of movies that we loved. Abby, Absolutely. And maybe you should love. You should love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll segue from your list now into mine, which mine is, uh, as well, Eyes of March. Uh, the other movie I saw, though, was uh, Killer Elite. Mm-hmm. which is the uh, um, Jason Statham, Clive Owen, Robert De Niro film.
0: Yeah, I which I just bumped up to the top of my Netflix list Yes, because
1: I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it was a very pleasant surprise. It was one of those movies, I saw the trailer, and I thought it could look good. It looked like a, it would be a, a decent action film. Jason Statham, I tend to like, but sometimes he makes Crank, and Crank 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so knowing that, I kind of went, what kind of movie is this? I also love Clive Owen, and I love Robert De Niro. What kind of movie am I getting into? And so I waited for the DVD, and it was a very pleasant surprise. Um, it reminded me a lot of kind of your classic European-based action thrillers. Uh, reminded me a lot of the movie Ronin in tone, not necessarily, necessarily in content. Um, it's, it's a really fun, um, dare I say, smart action film. Um, at the beginning, it says it's based on a true story. I don't know how much of that is accurate or how much of because so much of what they're dealing with is behind closed doors activities. I think it's based on a book that, uh, basically has been denounced by the British government as just fiction. Um, we don't really know the story, but the, but the basic plot is like the sheik of Odenan, a country who I should name, I should be able to pronounce. He basically hires, uh, Jason Statham after he, the, the sheik kidnaps Robert De Niro, who is Jason Statham's, uh, former, uh, trainer basically and says i will release him and give you x amount of dollars if you kill these three assassins who were responsible for the deaths of my three sons in this battle back in the 1970s um and so that's basically the plot then Uh, jason Statham puts together a small team and they start hunting down these uh ex-british uh mi6 or kind of assassins and it becomes this kind of Action film that's like I said, reminiscent of Ronin, reminiscent of like The Bourne Identity, um, and it's it's really a lot of fun. It's really good, and it, it ends very satisfactorily, and in a way that I was not expecting. A lot of these movies, I feel like it would end with a giant showdown, which this movie does have. It does have a you know big climactic chase and showdown, but the results of what comes from that, it was kind of unexpected, and I made me appreciate the movie all the more I would highly recommend it. it's really to anybody if you like a good action movie a uh, good thriller yeah it's fantastic it's not over the top it's, it's not too over the top to make you not believe it um, but yet the stunts and the action that are in it are very impressive and very cool
0: <laughs> nice yeah like I said I just I just bumped it up to my uh, Netflix list mm-hmm. so yeah if very- you like
1: Heat if you like Ronin if you like uh, the Bourne movies this is right up your alley
0: Hmm. Nice.
1: And then um, we from there we can move straight into our discussion of uh, Twelve Angry Men. Unless there's anything else you'd like to add?
0: No, I'm I'm, I'm excited to get to this movie. I, yes, I I have loved this movie for years. It, it it's uh I mean that's spoiler for the uh, <laughs> wrap up. I love this movie. <laughs> um, and so no, I'm I'm really I was excited to get to watch it again. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the what first you, the first time
1: I saw this film was actually in my government and economics class. Yeah. We watched it in high school, it was my senior year, and we watched it then. And I remember at the time uh, when the teacher's like, "Oh, we're going to watch this old movie," and I'm like, "Oh, this and like, you start, it starts as like this black and white movie. It's you know all of these old actors. I'm like, this is not going to be good." But even as a senior in high school, I was very quickly drawn into this film, um, and really into, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorites. It's uh. It was released in 1957, for those Mm -hmm. of you who haven't seen it. Um, And it basically tells the story of these 12 jurors that are locked in in the room as they have to discuss and debate and decide the fate of a man or of a boy who is on trial for murder.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, It was directed by the, sadly, late, great Sidney Lumet, who who died here last year in 2011. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this was... Um, this was kind of one of his very early um, entries, and uh, man, it's it's just a, a beautiful movie telling this story. Yeah. Um, you know, it it definitely um, it definitely reflects the time that it was made in. Yes. You know, the uh, it's if you think about what a remake today might look like, you know, it's kind of the story about this um, down on his luck kid who's who's uh on trial for murder yeah he lives he he lives kind of in the slum and exactly and you know he's this white probably italian immigrant or something like that kid in 1957 who you know they're they're all worried about him having switchblades and that kind of thing exactly and it's um, very
1: easy to see what the parallels would be today and how you would tell really the same story in a really fascinating way because it is it's this movie quickly becomes a character piece
0: yes yeah. yeah and and it's very interesting you get in, on this jury is i mean that's what happens in this movie is the jury goes to deliberate and yeah, um you know that's all that's all this movie is is the jury in the jurors room deliberating on the case Yeah. The there's, there's a couple minutes outside of that
1: there, yeah, I think I read those three minutes of the film that do not take place in the jury room
0: um, um, but the the jury is all men uh, yeah. as the title you know which would never Enterprise. happen in a jury today. Mm. they're all they're all white white, white men uh, <laughs> you know it's it's definitely a product of its time yeah um from that angle. but that said, there is nothing about any of it that feels false or no. phony it, it feels inside like, of that
1: It feels like it's very possible they set up four or five cameras inside a room in nineteen fifty seven. You know, yeah. and filmed a real, uh, a real uh, situation, a real uh, moment in time because um, it's so smartly written that you know the way. Because basically, what happens at the very beginning, you have eleven men who think the man's guilty, and then one guy who goes, "I don't know. I don't. I'm not saying he's innocent. I just.
0: I'm I need to not think about this a little bit more. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so then, through the course of the film. Um, Battle lines are drawn, and different people start switching sides back and forth. And all of a sudden, you have some people thinking, "Oh, wait, maybe he is innocent." Mm -hmm. Uh, Other people going, "Well, there's at least a very strong doubt now. I can't say for 100% certain he's guilty." Um, But the way they go about that is so smart. It's not Mm -hmm. just you know plot contrivances, and not just like, "Oh, but what if that happened?" Mm -hmm. It seems very legitimate that things that they bring up is like it's deduction really at its best, and picking apart the evidence that they were given. To further examine the testimonies of the witnesses, and
0: yeah, it's it's really kind of what you hope every jury yes. trial will be like. Yes, and almost certainly isn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I want Henry
1: Fonda in on every jury.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's maybe a good place to go here, real quick. Is that Henry Fonda mm-hmm. um, is just amazing. Phenomenal. Um, I mean, this is an era when, um, you know, there are movies with acting that is incredibly wooden and mm-hmm. um, very frustrating to watch today. Yes. And n- not so, I mean, not from anybody in this case, but especially not from Henry Fonda.
1: There's a, there's a the, the only thing I would say against the acting is it's not Henry Fonda, but there are a couple of the smaller quote-unquote jurors mm-hmm. who I feel like they might have pulled from the stage. Some of the acting sometimes does feel a little more theatrical than cinematic. Mm-hmm. The way they'll kind of pop their foot up on the chair and go. Now, here's the thing I'm talking about. What about this? And it's mm-hmm. some of their gestures and some of the way they kind of their body language feels a little over the top, but mm-hmm. um, solid. I mean, this is this movie does not need to be remade. Though I would like to see other movies like this to be made.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it, it's. Um you know just watching it it's the the filmmaking technique of this movie mm-hmm. entirely supports the fantastic cast that has been assembled yes um Lumet's direction of this movie is amazing um, there are a couple of of wonderful pieces that just help to tell this story because you know you're spending. An hour and a half in a room closed up with these jurors. And that's a really hard thing to do. It all takes place in this one set. Yeah. And yet, the way this set is used is amazing. I mean, there's a ton of movement around mm-hmm. the set. People are able to find new vantage points to speak from, and mm-hmm. which also implies it's all used to also imply who currently has the power of the situation Absolutely, and you know who is who is controlling where this conversation is going Um, Kelly and
1: I had the same conversation last night after we watched it and she was really impressed at how it didn't feel like there were any recycled shots or any recycled mm -hmm. camera setups even it was like the whole thing flowed so well everything was edited so well that it just like you were always looking where you were most interested in looking, even if you weren't looking at the person who was talking, mm-hmm. and it's it was done just so expertly.
0: Yeah, um, and then you have things like um, the element of of this heat wave that is going yeah, on I to in the, the town that too, um, which is. A fantastic piece again because it amps up the tension of what is going mm-hmm. on in the room everybody is sweltering from heat and uh, you know I know I talked about this before when we were talking yeah, about do the right thing do the right thing but you know, this last year our air conditioner went out for a day yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my wife and I who love each other dearly oh, right. <laughs> were on the edge of, like, massive arguments, <laughs> and, you know, we were just, we, we were not pleasant people to each other <laughs> during that day. And, you know, when you take a group of people who have been called for jury duty, who don't want to be there, who yeah. think that this is an open and shut case, and then you have, like, one person who's like, I don't know, we really need to sit here and talk this. Like, I mean, it just turns into the kind of this powder keg. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it
1: starts off with just like this kind of mild annoyance. Like, really? Mm-hmm. What w- all right, what do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. But as it goes on, you can see everybody sweating. You see guys, they have growing sweat stains on their shirts and under their arms. And you have this one stubborn guy who's just going, yeah, but what about this? And they mm-hmm. they all just want to get out of there. And the one guy mm-hmm. is so excited about, you know, an hour into the movie when he finally figures out how to make the fan work. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, finally, thank you. Some, you know, mm-hmm. some and,
0: yeah, and what's fascinating is like the part where he is able to make like the fan work mm-hmm. or um as the heat intensifies all of these all of these heat related elements also directly tie in to the mental um state of everybody in the room oh, and and where the arguments are for this absolutely. case. Like
1: when he gets the fan working, it actually comes after like, this very big explosion within the conversation mm-hmm. and then the director Gives you like thirty seconds of just rest. Like think about what you just heard. We're gonna take a break. The guy has like the fan starts and he he's sitting in front of it and then he starts playing games with the fan and so we all kind of get a moment even as an audience to just relax because the tension was getting so mm-hmm. great. You know, so it, he uses it to, as a storytelling device as well for the audience to take him on a similar yeah. journey.
0: Um, and then like. Uh, you know, not to spoil things, but yeah. uh, you're listening to this podcast, so we go into spoiler territory. Yep. Um, you know, even at the end, it finally um, the weather after they have come to a conclusion, mm-hmm. the weather changes yeah. outside, yeah, and the heat wave kind of breaks It's yeah. kind of the uh, yeah, you know, and it, and so there's kind of this element of like as the characters come to their conclusions and are able to to kind of come at at peace and get their vote in and figure out what has really happened here and Mm -hmm. all of the emotion of the day drains out and they kind of start leaving the room and everything. The weather has again changed to reflect all of that. It's it's just it's a it's a brilliant, brilliant element that just um you know, there's very few movies that make that much use of Weather as a plot device. No,
1: the, he used so many things so well, knowing that you know they're staying inside that room because not only did he use the weather and the temperature, but then he also used camera angles mm-hmm. and the location of the camera to also mm-hmm. amplify the growing sense of claustrophobia and how close, you know, how tight they were all in there. Um, the camera yeah. kind of starts a little bit at eye level where everybody seems like, on, oh, we're all on the same page here. But as the film progresses, the camera slowly drops down below eye level and it slowly gets to this place where everybody's almost it's not at these super awkward angles but everything is intensified so that it's just it's on top of you he even switched i was reading he switched camera lenses as he went along um to make the room seem smaller and smaller to squish things in closer so i mean this is this is well thought out masterful filmmaking even though Mm -hmm. it looks like a very small movie um i read it they did like three or four weeks of rehearsals um, they did so much rehearsing that they had to film the whole movie in 21 days because the studio had like allotted them so much time to make this movie, and he spent most of that time in rehearsal.
0: Yeah. it's. I mean, this movie, it's, it's a 96-minute movie, mm-hmm. and there isn't a single second, I would say, that is not incredibly planned yeah. and incredibly purposeful to telling the story and to understanding each and every character that's in here. I mean, even the moments like you were saying before, where it feels a little bit staged, like a stage production or people are putting their feet up or, yeah. or doing like, like even those kinds of actions are thought through and kind of have meaning to them. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, there's oh, kind absolutely. of a, you know, it, it can feel a little ham fisted maybe. and, and at at worst those little actions are, are like the worst kind of part of this because it it is a it is a slightly more theatrical sort of thing rather than a film sort of, of thing yeah. for those pieces it, but it still helps to explain this story exactly and, and to me it's completely forgivable because yeah
1: you're in this you're in this room and they you basically only has this room to work with to explain and give everybody's story because the other thing that they don't do is give you character names everybody in here is juror one juror two everybody has numbers Mm -hmm. you do find out two of the jurors names at the very end once it's all over but going into that you are you as an audience member are kind of in the shoes of the jury where you don't know anybody's name Mm -hmm. all you you start piecing together information you do learn everybody's job at some Mm -hmm. point and so you start kind of piecing things together by giving people labels like oh you're a businessman. Oh, you're this, you're that. And which is interesting because it plays into a lot of the uh, stereotyping and the labeling that a lot of these Mm -hmm. guys are doing throughout the film. And you start making assumptions about certain characters because of the way they treat other people. And it's pretty phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and that's a very interesting thing is is how this movie really is about some of the stereotyping. and, And maybe... Uh, you know just preconceived notions that we end up bringing into situations. Um, you know every character in this movie pretty much has kind of a a place that they are coming from yeah and um, each of them bring that to their initial decision mm-hmm. as a jury member mm-hmm. on how they judge this case mm-hmm. and it's only through this process as they go through this this 96 minutes of deliberation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's longer than that for them. It's a full day.
1: Yeah, it's like Um, three or four hours or something.
0: But, um, you know, for us, you know, as we watch it, each and every one of their preconceived notions um, gets addressed. Mm -hmm. And they have to set it aside, you know, whatever is important to them, they have to set it aside to be able to focus on the task at hand. And it's just, it's a fascinating, um, a fascinating look at that, and uh, and a fascinating commentary as well. Absolutely,
1: um, absolutely. Um, the other thing I really liked about this movie, and it's not—it's kind of—it's implicitly implied that this is what this movie is mm-hmm. about, which is the which is the beauty of democracy, and it's a very civic-minded film. Mm-hmm. There's the there's a one man in the in the jury that is—you um, get the impression that he is a an immigrant, a fairly mm-hmm. recent immigrant. He um, has a Russian accent, we'll say some kind of Eastern European kind of accent, and he he talks about democracy and talks about the beauty of democracy and how mm-hmm. um, he gets really upset when they they don't take it seriously. He's mm-hmm. like, no, this is this is a thing. You're taking it for granted and you're playing games here on this table and you're doing this. How dare you? Look at what mm-hmm. you're doing. And it just it made me think of. I mean, in the movie, it's about these jurors who have just kind of made up their mind oh the boy's guilty let's just get on with it but I mean to me that still speaks to us today as here it is in 2012 we're entering the election cycle and it's like it's the same thing you have a duty as part of democracy and you you need to vote you need to take this seriously you need to listen to the evidence being given to you and you need to make the best well informed decisions and not walk into this discussion with your mind already made up You can't do that. That's not democracy. Mm -hmm. That's not what it was founded for. And And I I thought that was it's just, it's phenomenal. It's like the most civic-minded film I've seen in a while, and I really appreciated that.
0: Yeah, no, it's um, you know, I think there's a reason they showed it in in the class that you were in. Yeah. Um, And I think that's fantastic, because it it does have those larger themes of civic duty and of you know democracy and everything. Um, And then you also have to consider that the the one place most people might have a chance to actually interact other than say voting every four years um is actually in a jury situation i mean that that is kind of like the one area where we as citizens in a country like this uh have that opportunity uh to interact and and you know there's a good likelihood that you will be called to a jury at some point during your life here yeah. in America, and um,
1: it made Kelly and I really hope that we get called soon. We're like, I want to be on a jury in the worst way.
0: Yeah, no, I've I've said that several times, and and no one's called me yet. No, um, and uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's fantastic that there's a movie like this that can exist that. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope everyone who gets called to a jury has yeah. had a chance to see this movie at some yeah. point. Um, like, I
1: think if you get called, they should send you a copy of this movie. Like, we want you to be a juror, watch this movie, mm-hmm. come in on Monday.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, not to say that every case that you get is going to have evidence no. that is going to disprove or approve or, you know, whatever. I'm you know, But it, it should be something to show you how to be open-minded and to actually examine the evidence that has been presented and make a a rational decision based on the evidence and not on your preconceived notions or on the general feeling of a room or that kind of thing. It's, right. yeah, very, very good stuff. Um, just touching on Sidney Lumet here briefly. Sure. Um, I mean, this is a man who made tons of, of great movies. One of and,
1: my other favorite films, Network.
0: Yeah, Network, um... I mean, just, uh, you have listed here on our thing Serpico and Dog, Dog Day, Day Afternoon, and I mean... Those are
1: movies the- that I haven't seen, but those are movies that are referenced very often in, a uh, top whatever lists.
0: Yeah, they're great. I mean, there's... Yeah. Um, you know, you aren't gonna go too wrong. Uh, you know, he did a, a version of Murder on the Orient Express. It's oh, yeah, good. And, um, you know... You're not going to go too wrong with the Sidney Lumet film. Yeah. Um, but uh, if, you, if you really are interested, I mean, at this level of craftsmanship that he brought to this movie, mm-hmm. um, he wrote a book called Making Movies, yeah. um, which I highly, highly recommend. Um, it, it really is a chapter-by-chapter chapter breakdown of his steps to making a movie. Um, so it covers basically the entire process from beginning to end of how he goes about making a movie and what mm-hmm. that is. Um, there's a lot of philosophy in it. There's also a lot of practical advice. Um, just fascinating reading, though, if you're interested in that sort of a topic. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he Just a brilliant man with a lot of ideas on what filmmaking should be and how to go at it. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you can find it on Amazon and we'll put a link on our Absolutely. webpage. page. So, yeah. Um, what do you think, Scott? Uh, go I mean- find it now. <laughs>
1: you know, it's like, it, this is really just filmmaking at its best. I mean, it, it might not have a love story. It might not have a musical score, but it is really just solid filmmaking. This is some of the ni- best, best way you can spend 90 minutes. It's, um, go find it, go rent it. Um, I don't own it, but I'm going to rectify that as soon as I can. You know, I rewatching it made me remember how much I liked it. If you like, um, you know, some of these movies, things that we've even talked about today, like the West wing, or, um, you've seen the Ides of March and you want to go back and kind of see maybe where George Clooney gets some of his ideas on how to make movies like this and, uh, good night and good luck. It comes from this, you know, it comes from this kind of older style of, uh, black-and-white filmmaking. It's filled with um, phenomenal actors, every, every, each and every one of them, including um, the film debut of the voice of Piglet from Winnie the
0: Pooh. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, he started talking, about that sounds like Piglet, and I looked it up, and yep, one of the actors is the voice of Piglet, and apparently he didn't have to change his voice too much to play Piglet. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a great movie. It's like, there's nothing wrong with this movie. There's nothing to pick apart. There's nothing to complain about. It's really a perfect film.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree. You know, it's um, it's not the sort of movie that would be super easy to market today. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's not a whole lot of tie-ins. There's no soundtrack. There's no, um, you know, about the best you could maybe do is get, like, jury action figures. I don't know. <laughs>
1: um, I think today, if this movie was made, you'd have a lot of flashbacks. Almost like you would have, it would have to be a slightly bigger film. They would have to yeah. show the murder... They would have to show um, you know maybe re- revealing things about them kind of like lost did where like mm-hmm. here's this guy why is he angry oh mm-hmm. because of this thing mm-hmm. yeah they would I don't know if you could do this movie exactly the same way
0: yeah and yet at the same time it, I'm I'm glad that it exists in exactly the way that it does Absolutely. and and um, you know I kind of in some ways I hope they don't do a remake uh, anytime soon. On the other hand, it would be really interesting to see where they go, but it's it's such a perfect movie. One
1: actually does exist. One came yes. out in 1997. Um it was a TV movie. It wasn't released in theaters, but it has Jack Lemmon in it and uh James Gandolfini mm-hmm. and other people
0: that you Which recognize. is Which is interesting cuz th- this movie actually started as a remake of a TV movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so it has kind of gone full circle in that. Um, Might, um. Yeah, when I was watching it on Twitter, I kind of played a fun little
1: game with my Twitter account where I said, "Who would they cast in the remake?" And I just started. I kind of put together a a team of people that I would love to see basically argue in a room. Um, I think you <laughs> could. I think you could see it. I think they could remake it. But this, this is one of those kind of movies that there's absolutely no reason to because you would honestly to make it good, you wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. All you could do is update maybe. Um, you might bring in some women to the cast, you might bring some more races into the story. Um, you might update some of the language and some of the characters' uh backstories. Like like there's a one of the guys talks about his son uh walking away from a fight and it made him sick. And like some of the way they talk is very 1950s. And it's like I just can't imagine a father saying that today and not being portrayed as the villain, if you will. Yeah. Um so there's little things you could update but this isn't like, you know, other classic movies like Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind, where you could easily imagine how an updated version of that movie might exist. There's really no reason to it. It completely stands by itself and mm-hmm. completely works.
0: Yeah. Um, just uh, just a few things. I mean, it obviously made the AFI list. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one a ton of it's it's in tons of top lists. Um,
1: it was nominated for three Academy Awards, but lost all of them to Bridge of the River Kwai.
0: Yeah, you know Roger Ebert puts this in one of his great movies list. Um, you know AFI named named Henry Fonda's character Juror Number Eight into like their top fifty uh, greatest movie heroes of the twentieth century. I mean, it's it's that sort of a movie where it's it really is. Um, yeah, it really is fantastic. When
1: it was released, it didn't do very well. And it's a first initial run. Um, but Henry Fonda ha- always looked back on it as one of his three favorite roles. The other one was uh, Grapes of Wrath and the Oxbow
0: Incident, which the I haven't seen. It's definitely worth your watch. I,
1: Oxbow I, Incident, very yeah. good. But yeah, um, Henry Fonda, who's he was a great actor and also the father and grandfather to other actors who are still working today.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Oxbow Incident is about a lynching which is okay. it's just a very fascinating again it's it's a very small movie kind of like this one mm. is and it's um, pretty intense uh, defi- I'll, I'll just go out and say it right now also totally worth your time cool um, but yeah um, I think both Scott and I are just going to say that this is worth every mm-hmm. uh, every moment that you could possibly spend on it mm-hmm. um, and right. yeah. number 87 on the list I think at least for me I know there's some movies coming up that I would probably rate this even higher than. So for me, this yes, is, I, I, this is well deserving to be on this list. I was
1: about to say exactly the same thing. I'm actually a little amazed. It's so low. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to imagine a better put together film.
0: Yeah. So go watch it. Um, and uh, yeah.
1: And come back next week when we discuss uh, number 86 on AFI's top 100 films,
0: Platoon. Indeed. We'll see you next time. Yeah. You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com.